Good morning and welcome again. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Nielsen. I'm the next generation pastor here at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. So we've just started a series called Seasons. Um, speaking of, I wanted to wear like flip-flops and a t-shirt today and maybe some shorts. And I'm not quite sure what season Big Sky is in right now, but we need at least one big dump in uh, May before we actually get to summer. So uh, back to the jeans and the boots. So um, thanks for being with us. Um, today I'm talking about um, a guy named Peter and talking about seasons of decision casting out and seasons of decision. And it, clo- it ties closely to this idea of surrender as well, like we just sang about. So let's start by reading in Luke 5, 1 to 11, and look at the story about Peter when he cast out. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, who was Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we didn't take anything. We caught nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. When he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. When they had come and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So let's start with a um, seasonal question for this week. When and what was your last difficult decision? When and what was your last difficult decision? Um, who here likes to fish? I bet a lot of hands might go up. Eh, a couple. So it's funny. I've lived here for over, well over two years, over two and a half, and I've never fished in, in, uh, since I've moved to Big Sky. I've never even picked up a fly rod in my life, which, yeah, I might have lost some brownie points with some of you, but that's fine. Um, so I don't even fish. So maybe Brian really should have preached this one since he always talks about how much he loves to fish. So I get the one about fishing, and I don't even fish, but that's fine. Because this, this passage is actually really dear to me in a lot of ways. Um, on my way back from a trip to the Philippines in May 2014, my father called me and shared this passage with me. And as we spoke over the phone, he said, he said, Nielsen, it's time to cast out. It's time to cast out. And after that phone call, these verses just wouldn't stop following me in my heart and in my mind. There was something in this simplicity of Jesus' command and something about that reluctant yet hopeful obedience in Peter that simply wouldn't leave me alone. It just would not leave me alone. And there is such a weight and a power in the word that Jesus spoke. This simple command of cast out, try it again. Something really powerful in that. And there's this mystery in this miracle that happened. 
And that followed the timid faith of this fisherman who probably didn't believe anything was going to happen, if we're being honest. So in that season of my life, I had felt this stirring to, um, in my heart, this building sense of stirring to cast out into something new and different, uh, somewhere foreign, somewhere far away. And um, this story was pivotal leading up to a year I spent in Asia in 2014 to 2015, a year after I graduated from um, college. And my leaving was really akin to this sense of casting out into something unknown, casting out without a lot of information or guarantees. And this passage was influential and foundational in that decision to go teach English in Thailand. And it was a huge, difficult decision. When I did choose to pursue this course, I have to admit it was really uncomfortable It was anxiety-ridden at times. Um, That whole year, while new new and exciting and adventure-filled in Asia, I've had a lot of times of difficulty and emptiness and loneliness, um, not really being with anyone I knew very well. And God did a lot in that. But in all of it, the point is this. I trusted in this same Jesus who called Peter to cast out. And follow him into the unknown. So this this passage means a lot to me because it was really foundational in me doing something and going somewhere new and uncomfortable. So let's dive into three aspects of Peter's decision and what they mean for us. So first, Peter simply believed the word of Jesus and cast out his net. Peter simply believed the word of Jesus and cast out his net. This is what we start with. Looking back at verses 4 to 6. Jesus said to Simon, put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, thinking, what's what's the point of this? But at your word, I'll let down the nets. So this is kind of funny. You think about this. Here's a a carpenter turned um, preacher telling a career fisherman what to do. Why, you know, that's kind of funny if you think about this a little bit, right? It's like, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. Go back to making something with your hands. Like, don't tell me how to fish. I have to kind of think maybe that's something that was going through Peter's mind. Like, don't tell me how to do my job. None of us would like to be told how to do our job when we're good at something, right? So Peter might have been thinking, yeah, right. Um, If we couldn't catch these fish at night when they were close to the surface, probably feeding... We're sure not going to catch them now when they're going deeper away from the sun as it's rising. Like, this is a stupid idea, Jesus. What are you talking about? You think about it, Peter had already caught it. He was on the shore washing his nets. He's probably really tired. He probably wanted to get some sleep, eat some breakfast. And first he's like, I guess I'll take this guy, Jesus, out into the water a little bit. And then he's like, after this, I'll go call call it a day and get some sleep. So the last thing he probably felt like doing was going out into the water and, and throwing his net in again. But, even if Peter didn't fully believe anything would happen in the moment, he still cast out his net in this response of obedience. He still did it, even if he didn't even believe it. And this is important. Jesus did not do this for him. He didn't take the net from Peter and do it for him. He only gave Peter his word. It's really important. Peter didn't take the net, throw it out, and say, well, I'll take care of it. You just watch what I'll do. No, he said, you do it. You cast out the net. Jesus didn't do it for him, but only gave Peter his word. And the act of faith was required of Peter, not Jesus. Jesus knew it was going to happen. Peter's the one who had to do it and have the faith. Jesus didn't even promise a large catch of fish. He didn't even really say what was going to happen. He just said, do it. He told Peter, let down your net for a catch. And the word was spoken, but it required a response from Peter. 
Peter had to do something. And there's an act of faith required in response to the person who spoke the word. And Jesus' command, yeah, it was short and simple, but it was clear enough to demand something of Peter, to demand a response. And this is important. The call of Jesus, it doesn't leave room for passivity and apathy and laziness and mediocrity. It leaves no room for that when Jesus calls you to do something. This act of obedience, of response, of trust and faith is required of you. It's required of you. There's no room for apathy and passivity when we respond to Jesus. Jesus will call you, he'll reassure you, he'll make promises, but he will not make the decision for you. He won't cast out the net for you. He asks you to do that in faith. And this is important. Something about what I'm going to say next I feel like is important for a lot of us in this room. Peter, Peter didn't base his decision on what had happened before. Meaning not catching any fish all night. The past, previous negative circumstances was not the basis for the decision he made in that moment. He did not take that into consideration. He did not use that as a foundation for his decision. He looked past that failure of the night before. He didn't look at his present moment through the lens of the past. Don't look at your present moments of decision through the lens of the past, no matter how many times something hasn't worked out or failed or gone the way you thought it would. Don't look at the present moment of decision through the lens of the past. Peter did not, and look what happened. I think some of you might be saying, God, I've already tried, and I've tried, and I've failed, and I've failed, and nothing has come of it, of my decision to take a risk on something. Nothing's come of it. Why would I want to try that again? And I think Jesus would say, try it again, and again, and again. And he would say, it doesn't matter what happened before. Do not use that as a foundation for your decision. I'm asking you to do it again right now. And Peter said, okay, Master, I will. I'll do that. I would ask us, will we do the same thing? So let's, let's, let's look at our hearts a little bit in this and ask ourselves some questions. And I was super challenged um, just as I was preparing for this <laughs> and these things that I'm going to tell you. This speaks to me as much as it does, hopefully, to you. Isn't it true that the word and promise of God is all you need to act? Isn't that true that, that that's all you need to cast out as Peter did? in that response of faith and obedience? Do you need anything else besides that to follow? Isn't it true that Jesus has already given you everything you need to do what he's asked you to do? But I think so often, instead of casting out in faith, we've been waiting for him to do it for us. That's not what he's going to do for us. We wait for him to cast out the net, to make everything happen, to make the stars align. That's not really what Jesus is asking of us, is it, a lot of the time? Aren't his word and his promise enough for you? Is that, is that all you need to do something that you think he's asking you to do? We have more than enough if we have his promise. And as Peter cast out his net, we see he didn't just catch a little bit. He caught a lot. He caught so much so that two boats were sinking. And I really believe that an abundance awaits those who are willing to cast out their nets at his word without any other information, without any promises, without any guarantees It's simply enough that he calls, and if you respond to that, look what he'll do with that little act of faith. So Peter simply believed the word of Jesus and cast out his net. Number two, second aspect of this decision. Peter took an action by casting out his net, but only caught the fish by the word of Jesus. Peter took an action by casting out his net, but only caught the fish by the word of Jesus. 
Look back at verse 6. It says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So here we see Peter's action alone was not enough to change the circumstances, to, to provide this catch. The change, the outcome ultimately hinged on the word of Jesus. That was it. And this is something we, we must come back to again and again in our decision making. And there is a tension here, yeah. So Peter had to do something. He had to obey, right? He had to respond. We talked about that in the first point. But it wasn't necessarily his doing or response or obedience that caught the fish. Think about it. Would he have ever gone back out to try to fish again if Jesus hadn't called him, hadn't given him his word? I don't think so. He wouldn't have of his own mind and will been like, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to make this happen. I don't think anything would have happened if he had just done it on his own apart from the word of Jesus. It was the word of Jesus that made the catch happen. And Peter was a part of that, but it was still Jesus who made it happen. He casts out again because of the word, the call of Jesus. And Jesus promises something when we decide to take him at his word. I really think, again, we make the decision to follow him, we'll be astonished at what comes of it. We'll be amazed at the catch. And the outcome might not be what you think or expect, what you have envisioned, but I guarantee it will be good. Even if it's something you never see the fruit of in this lifetime, even if it's not what you think it will be, it will still be good. Even if it's not comfortable or easy. So let's take a risk on Jesus and see what happens. And even if you don't see anything happen, believe that something is still happening. Something will happen, even if you never see it in your lifetime. We have to trust the Word. Take Him at His Word and see the outcome. And I I really believe this. We make Christianity so boring sometimes and so unattractive. But like, if you look at the life of Peter and the disciples, life lived following Jesus is the best, most adventurous, most exciting, most fulfilling life you can live. There's no way you can say it's boring if you look at the New Testament. Nothing boring about this. So why do we make it so boring when you look at the story? It's anything but boring. It's interesting. It's a miracle. It's totally not like anything else you'll find in any other religion or any other lifestyle. And I really think we're going to miss out on so much if we're not willing to follow and obey and and really take risks at his word. This was at least a little risk for Peter. It was, you know, at least, at least he had to go back and wash his nets again if he didn't catch anything. He had to go through the whole process again. So there was a little bit of a risk and a cost here, right? He, he maybe lost some sleep. You know, it was a couple of things he had to kind of give up to do this. And I think we're going to miss out if we don't take some little risks at his word. Again, if Peter had not obeyed and cast out his net, he would never have seen the astonishing fruit of his choice. He didn't only believe, he acted, right? He believed and said, yes, because of my belief, I'll act on this and throw out the net. So believe and and act on the word of Jesus, on the call of Jesus, and see what happens. And something also is really neat about recognizing that we only catch by the word of Jesus. When, When we recognize that, it's only the word and the work of Jesus. We have no right to be conceited or proud or arrogant or take credit for the outcome. It puts us all in a place of humility and remembering where it all came from. We have no place for pride or arrogance because we remember it was only by your word, God, that this came to anything. So I have no right to be proud of this accomplishment, of this outcome, because you gave me this. And I just chose to say, okay, I'm going to follow you. That's a beautiful thing. It puts us all on the same playing field because it's only God that does it. We simply take him at his word and recognize that everything comes from him. So I would ask us, in our difficult decisions, will we take Jesus at his word? Will we take Jesus at his word without any information 
or anything else to go on. We would take him at his word. So Peter took an action by casting out his net, but only caught the fish by the word of Jesus. And number three, the third aspect of this decision. Peter was astonished at his bountiful catch, but mainly in awe of the one who caused it. Peter was astonished at his bountiful catch, but mainly in awe of the one who caused it. And this is probably my favorite aspect of this story. When you really start to look at this. Look back at verses 8 and 9. Peter saw it, meaning the catch. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. This is a huge point of this story. So Peter, I don't think he really was prepared for this outcome, for what happened after he obeyed. And I think when it happened, he recognized, man, this is no ordinary man. This is no typical man, even as a rabbi or a preacher. This, is, this guy is different. There's something great about this man, Jesus. And Peter knew immediately, he's like, I do not deserve this. Something miraculous and supernatural is going on. I am not the guy who deserves this, this thing that's happening right now. He was overwhelmed and very afraid, <laughs> from, as we can see from this passage. He knew there was something greater and divine at work. And I, and I would say he was even in a state of probably somewhat of a, an infatuation. Like, just like consumed with this guy in this moment. And he was even really afraid. He knew he was a sinner. But even in that, he's like, he, he left everything he had. Something was so amazing about this man, Jesus, that, that even though he was super afraid and knew that he didn't deserve what had just happened, he's like, man, something is, is different. Um, I'm going to follow this guy when he asked me to. And the end result, this is really, really important here, the end result of Peter's catch, it wasn't really about the abundance too much, about the actual fish. The most important thing was that this led him to the person of Jesus. This blessing, this miracle, it led him to the person of Jesus, so much so that it caused Peter to follow immediately. He didn't really sit around and think about it. It was a pretty immediate response. And I think it would take more than a big catch to make him make that decision. I think it was like he was so touched by Jesus. He saw him in such a riveting way that it caused him to leave the very blessing that he had just received, that Jesus had just provided to follow after the person of Jesus. He was so enthralled with Jesus that he was willing to leave this massive blessing that Jesus had just given him in order to follow the person who had first given him the blessing. If that makes sense, I hope. That's, that's really important, I think, for us. He's like, I forsake the blessing that even God has given me and give it up in order to follow the person who gave me this very blessing. Think about that a little bit. And I would ask us, are we so astonished and overwhelmed and amazed and in such awe and wonder at the abundance of what has been given to us and done for us in Jesus that we'll gladly give up and lay down and sacrifice even run from the very things he's given us in order to follow him. That's a big ask, right? That's a huge ask. Jesus is like, are you going to, I give you a lot of amazing things and they're actually really good. And he's like, are you willing to actually leave what I've given you to follow me? Even though they've actually come from me, will you even give those things up to follow me? That's a huge ask. It's a really hard ask. Are we willing to do that to cast out our nets at his call? And for Peter, it was not about the catch as much as it was about following the person of Jesus. This is what it comes back to, the person of Jesus. Not about the blessing, not about the outcome, not about the catch. It's about following the person of Jesus. And, and Peter Im- immediately responded to the word of Jesus, 
because he recognized the worth of Jesus. He immediately responded to the word of Jesus because he recognized the worth of Jesus. He wouldn't have responded to the word if he didn't recognize the worth of the one who called him. Peter understood something we sometimes forget. Jesus himself is the reward. Not the blessing, not the outcome, not the success. Jesus himself is worth following. Jesus himself is worth leaving everything behind for. If you don't grasp the person of Jesus, I mean, you're not going to follow. If you don't realize he's worth it, you're not going to follow. Jesus himself is the reason we leave everything behind. The reason that we go to places that are uncomfortable, because he alone, he himself is worth it. And this must be why Peter responded to this rabbi, to this preacher, and said, yes, master, I leave it all, all I'm familiar and comfortable with, and I'll follow you. He's definitely not the most qualified. We all have a good stereotype of fishermen, right? And some of the ways they live, some of the things they do, some of the things they say. That was really didn't matter. He wasn't qualified. He wasn't the smartest, the most deserving. If anything, he was probably in the lesser of that category. But in that moment, he made a decision to respond to the call of this mysterious man that he had encountered. And he had no guarantees. There were no five-year plans. There's no knowledge of where it would lead. He simply took him at his word and said, I'll follow you. That's all, that's all you need to ask me, Jesus. Ask me to follow you? Okay. There's nothing else that was given in that moment. He just followed. Again, he, he knew something about Jesus that caused him to make that decision without knowing where it would lead. And on that note, I would also say, you're never following Jesus blindly. I don't like when people say that. Just, you know, be blind, be dumb, just follow. Like, no. If you're following Jesus, you're never following blindly because his promises are the only things in life we can ever be certain of. So that's anything but blind. If, if the promises and the call of the Lord are the only things that we're certain of, it's not blind. It's actually the, most, the best place you can be in life. It's the best thing you can say yes to. You're not blind because you can trust perfectly in the promises of, of Jesus. So you might be blind when everything else, but you're sure not blind as to who you're following. And you're never going to be blind in a moment when he says, go here, you know where to go. When he says, go here, you know where to go. There's never blindness in that. I don't like when people talk about that. It's, it's not true. You know who you're following. You're not going blind. But are you willing to follow with nothing except that confidence and trust in the one who calls? Are you willing to follow with just that and that alone? And I'll say today, we're all capable and worthy in every decision to follow Jesus into anything he asks because he's called you. That's the only reason you need. If you're looking for any other reason than that, you don't need it. You don't need it to make a decision. You're not capable because you're already good enough. You're not worthy just if you succeed when you decide to do something. I'd say you're capable and worthy simply because he says, follow me and you're called. That's it. That's the only reason you need to follow. Nothing else really matters. Not the outcome, not what happens, not the fruit. I believe all those things will follow, but the only reason you need to say yes is because Jesus says, I've called you. You don't need any other reason than that. There's nothing else you need to start doing something. Uh, Brennan Manning said, each future generation, or sorry, each future determination, each next step decloses itself only out of a discernment of the influence of God in the present moment. And on that note, this is something really important, I think, for us, because I've experienced this. God's call and will doesn't necessarily mean an absence of fear and anxiety. Don't think it's not God just because you have some fear and anxiety. God's not a God of fear and anxiety, so I don't think he's going to speak to you through fear and anxiety. Sometimes we have to hold on to a single word, a single moment where God tells us to do something 
or go somewhere. A single word a moment. Sometimes sometimes that's all we get. And even if you don't hear that all the time, or even often, or even if you never hear that word or that feel that moment again of when God spoke something, trust in that moment of the call and of the word, of the voice of your God. Trust in the moment when you know you know he said something, you know he put something on your heart. Don't walk away from it just because you don't hear it again or all the time. Don't walk away from that word or that moment that God gave you and you know for sure it was him. Don't walk away from it because you don't hear it or feel it again. Trust in the moment of the call of the word. Because if you know your father, you'll know his voice. And we can do this, why? Because we trust in the character and the promise of the one who calls. It all comes back to the person we're following. We can do that out of a single moment of hearing God say something because we trust in the character and the promise of the one who calls. That's all we need. We don't need to hear it over and over and over again. God might be like, do you trust that moment when I asked you to do something? Will you come back to that and follow it, even if you don't hear it again? Looking at verses 10 and 11, Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So let's look for a second. What did it mean for Peter, for a disciple, to follow a rabbi at that time? So when a rabbi asked someone to follow him, it was an incredible honor. This invitation was an offer of unlimited access to the rabbi, a chance to become a perpetual student. It not only gave them complete access to ask the teacher probing questions, but they also lived alongside the rabbi, experiencing firsthand how the scriptures should be lived out. Becoming a disciple required an unwavering commitment to submit to the rabbi's authority, but it also meant that every day was full of opportunities to learn new things about God. Disciples went where their rabbi went. They slept where their rabbis slept. They ate what their rabbi ate. And largely, they shared their rabbi's passions and beliefs. As a rabbi, this is the kind of relationship Jesus invited the disciples to experience. So here's our greatest decision. It's not what what you will do or where, where you will go. It's not what you will do or where you will go. But who or what will you follow? Because guess what? We're all going to follow something or someone. We're all going to worship something or someone. I don't care what people say. There's no neutrality. We're going to worship and love and follow something. Really, the, the biggest part of this is not what you will do or where you will go, but who or what will you follow, because you will follow something. You will worship something. And I think there's a challenge for us when we follow Jesus. It's a hard one we, to be content with whatever our decision to follow gives us, yes, and whatever it doesn't give us. Whatever we gain from it, or whatever we lose from it, is basically irrelevant if our decision is based upon the one we follow. So for some of us, following God might mean an abundance of something, of money, of success, of recognition. That could, that could be part of what God gives you when you follow Him. But... It could also mean losing all of those things. Losing money, maybe losing success in what looks like failure, maybe having to give up a lot of things. That's not, our, that's not our call to say what we get or what we lose from this choice to follow. That's not our call. It's irrelevant if we're confident in the one that we follow. Don't base it upon what you see yourself getting from it or what you see yourself losing from it. That's up to God. Let go of that. That's up to God. And don't look at someone else and say, well, because they're all 
wealthy, you know, they must just be doing what they want and being selfish. Like, no, that could be God's way of responding to their obedience. If someone loses something or has, is looking like they're failing at something, don't judge that according to what you think is success or failure. Could be part of God's plan that they have a different road, a harder road. Don't look at it through your perspective. Because these fishermen made a decision. They left everything, their livelihoods, family businesses, familiarity, comfort, and security. Even if they didn't love their job, it was something they knew. They left this because they encountered something. They had simple trust in someone. And it, in some ways, it cost some of them their lives, as Peter would find out. It cost them his life, this decision to follow. And this is much like a man named, named Maximilian um, Colbert. I want to read his story really quick, because this is a really good um, story of what it looks like in some really hard real-life circumstances to choose to follow Jesus. And then I'll wrap this up. So despite it being a place of pure evil, the Auschwitz death camp was also the location of several acts of heroism and self-sacrifice. None more so than that of Maximilian Kolbe. The Franciscan friar gave his life so that another man, a stranger to him, might live. For others, his sacrifice was extraordinary. For Maximilian himself, however, there was no question of doing anything else. So strong was his faith that he never wavered or asked for better treatment, even when the end got closer and closer. When the Nazis invaded his country, Maximilian was given the chance to earn enhanced rights and privileges in exchange for signing a document recognizing his German ancestry. He refused. He also could have had a much easier time under the occupation had he given up publishing religious texts. He also declined to do this. In fact, his books and essays became increasingly critical of the Nazis. That's why in February of 1941, his monastery was shut down and he was arrested by the Gestapo. Within a couple of days, he was being transferred to the infamous Auschwitz death camp as prisoner number 16670. In the camp, Maximilian saw it his duty to carry on his priestly manner, even though this got him regular beatings. Then in July of 1941 came his ultimate test of faith. Ten prisoners had succeeded in, in escaping. In order to deter other outbreaks, the Nazi guards picked ten prisoners to be starved to death in an underground bunker. One of the men cho chosen cried out that he had a wife and children, so the priest offered to take his place among the condemned. So along with nine others, he was thrown into the bunker and left to die a slow, agonizing death. One of the men employed to clean the camp survived to tell the story. He revealed that Maximilian led the condemned men in prayer. In all, he lasted two weeks and was the last of the prisoners to die. Indeed, the guards ultimately had to give him a lethal injection, which, according to witnesses, he accepted with good grace and serenity. And the man whose place in the bunker he took, he lived to be 93 years old and dedicated much of his life to telling the world about his Savior's act of sacrifice. That's what it looks like to follow and lose everything. So let's, let's start to wrap this up and look at our seasonal reminder. I've, I've talked about this a lot. I'm going to say it again. We base our decisions upon the character of the one who calls. We base our decisions upon the character of the one who calls. I'm going to, I'm going to tie this up with um, another passage about Peter and John, 21 through to 7. It brings this, this story full circle. Peter was pretty defeated at this point. He had betrayed Jesus before Jesus' death. Um, Jesus had since died and been resurrected. But Peter's not in a great place. So let's read 21, 3 to 7. So Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. Sound familiar? 
Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. He said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast out the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find me. So they cast it, and now, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Again, sound familiar. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord, it's Jesus. And Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put out his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. So let's, let's wrap this up and look at Peter in this, in this position. So I, think, I, I imagine Peter's thinking, after all that happened with Jesus, after his failures, he, he's thinking, man, I made a decision to follow this guy. I took a risk. It hasn't really worked out that well. I thought Jesus was going to be this political leader, take everything over, but he didn't. I'm disappointed. I'm defeated. I'm weary. I'm ashamed. So I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. This is all I have left. But look at verse 7. Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Peter came urgently and desperately to Jesus on the shore, because I think he remembered something. He remembered that we base our decisions upon the voice and the word and the character of the one who calls, not upon our past or present circumstances, not upon what we can see and not upon what we can know for certain. He ran to Jesus, swam as hard as he could because he's like, it was always about the person I followed, not about what I got from it, not about what it cost me, not about my past. I remember Jesus and who he is in this moment, so I'm going to run to him. Let's just picture this for a second. This is such a beautiful picture of redemption. Just think about this in your mind. So Peter's called a second time after so much failure and shame and regret in much the same way he was called the first time. And just think about this. Think about what Peter's doing here. I can just see Peter, after the second miracle, suddenly realizing it's his, his master and Lord and his like best friend. And I can see Peter throwing on his, quickly getting on his outer garment. He jumps out of the boat. And I can just see kind of his tears like mixing with the water as he's swimming. Like just his tears and water all flowing together as he's swimming towards Jesus. And he approaches Jesus and he's again in this silent awe of this, of this mysterious man who is still so good to him and still calling him. He's still calling to this Peter who is a traitor, who denied his best friend three times before he died. Someone still just as unworthy as he was the first time. And I imagine Peter responding in his tears to Jesus. Yes, Master, after all my mistakes, after all of my failures and this disappointment, after everything that's been unexpected, after all that's not going according to my plan, I still believe and I choose to follow you still. I think some of us here are are Peter today. I think... I felt strongly that some of us are torn and unsure and we're really timid and afraid to make a decision about something. We're in limbo and some of us are held back by our past, by the loss, disappointment, unexpected turns in life. There's shame and regret and failure. And some of you are hesitant to respond to the calling of Jesus because you're only looking at the darkness of the past and the failure of the past. And you're afraid to make new decisions. You're afraid of repeating the same outcomes if you decide to risk something again and make a decision again. Some of us are paralyzed by the present uncertainties of life. We're not able to move in any direction. We're paralyzed in the, in the present. I think Jesus would look at all of us and say, clearly and lovingly and simply, 
child, at, at my word, just cast out your net. Watch what I do with your obedience, with your faith, and with your trust. So you can trust me. You can trust my character, my voice. I see you. I know you. I've got you. Just don't be afraid. I don't care what's happened before. Do it again. I'm telling you to do it again. And this is our challenge. No matter the past or present, no matter how life has turned out unexpectedly, no matter the loss and disappointment, the failures and mistakes, I would ask us, are we, would we choose to follow him still and let go of all of that and say, I'm not making my decision based upon that, what's happened before. I'm going to do it again and again and again because I can trust the one who's asking me and who's calling me. Will you base your decisions upon the character and the voice of the one who calls? That's what, that's what this is all about. Will you base it upon the character and the voice of the one who calls? Do you know Jesus and do you trust him? Enough to make a decision when he asks you to do something. Will you choose to follow the one who has done and given everything for you? So let's pray. Lord, I just pray for those of us today, Lord, who are bound to the past. That we would let go of disappointment and move into the future and not make any decision according to the past. But make it only on the understanding and the knowing of, of who you are and how good you are. And I pray for those who are bound to the present, who are paralyzed, or who are just comfortable with what they have and really secure in that, and that they would be willing to move away from what they know, what they're comfortable with, into something that you have asked of them, even into the unknown. And I pray for those, Lord, who have never said, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, those who have never said, I choose to give you my life if it gives me a lot or a little or takes away what I do have I choose to follow you no matter of those circumstances no matter of where it leads me and I think Jesus would, would was ask you like he asked Peter um, would you follow me if you, if you aren't following me would you trust me in who I am in my character in my voice without any guarantee any plan without any um, guarantee of success uh, would you be willing to follow me without having any other thing to go on except my character and my voice and who I am? Are you willing to follow me just because of who I am and just because I ask and just because I'm worth following so simply because I ask you to? Would you be willing to follow Jesus when he asked you to? So Lord, thanks for giving us the grace we need in every circumstance and situation to follow you, Lord, and thank you for always being trustworthy, Lord, in everything that we do. Jesus' name, amen.